0: good evening everybody welcome to church on a Wednesday night it's great to have all of you here for those of you that have joined us here on campus nice to see you and we're honored that you would be here for those of you that are joining us via Facebook live and live stream we would like to say welcome to you as well look at your neighbor and just give them a really big smile I'm so glad you got to see me tonight just going to make a few announcements. Sunday, March fifth, that's this coming Sunday. Brother Daryl Weber, our district superintendent, will be with us and speaking in the 11 a.m. service. I've heard Brother Dave mention um, the renovations and construction projects that are planned for the campgrounds, and um, we expect that he'll talk to us a little bit about that. But we're definitely expecting a great time with him this coming Sunday, and then. Ladies, also March 9th through 11th is Women's Conference in Tioga, so please make sure that is on your calendars. Before pastor comes this evening, I just want to leave you with uh, with a thought. We've been, uh, for the past several weeks in the young adult class uh, next door on Sunday mornings, going through a series called The Power of Predecision. And Joshua told the Israelites in Joshua 24, he said, if you... Are unwilling to serve the Lord, he said. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors in whose land you are living. He said, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, You've got a choice to make, Israel, about what you're going to do. And today is the day to make that choice. You're going to choose today who you're going to serve. Choose today you're going to live but as for me and mine I already know what we are going to do we have already made the choice about how we're going to respond today and tomorrow and the day after that so Israel make up your mind today about how you're going to respond in the future you know it's so important that we understand the impact that our decisions have on the quality of our lives i don't know that there's anything else that impacts the quality of our lives as much as the choices that we make it's not your level of intelligence your level of education uh, your financial resources your physical attractiveness your talents or abilities but your decisions um, that is the biggest qu- uh, determiner of the quality of your life it comes down to your decisions you make better decisions you have a better life right but the problem is we're not good decision makers. Right? Nobody wants to own that one. Yeah, we eat more than we should. We we say things that we don't need to say or we don't say things that we should have said. We spend money that we don't have. We sleep in when we shouldn't and we stay up too late when we should we don't we don't make good decisions. there's some solid reasons for that we most of us uh, encounter decision fatigue on a daily basis Uh, a lot of uh, studies have said that we make over 35,000 decisions a day and so that explains why you make poor decisions later in the day and later into the night than what you do in the morning our decision-making muscle gets tired but we're also bad at making decisions because sometimes we're afraid of making the wrong decision Uh, We think things have to be perfect, especially those of us who live in this world of Christian ease because we want to make sure everything is according to God's will. And so, as a result, we don't make any decision. And another reason why we make bad decisions is because we make decisions that are based on emotion, especially the emotion of the moment. And so that's why we've been in this series about... Um, the power of predecision, because we want to make decisions that are aligned with our true priorities other, rather than just the situation. And uh, you know what? Whenever you make decisions about, um, about what you're going to do in the future and you make those decisions based on your values instead of the emotions of the moment, whenever your values are clear, then your decisions become much easier. So that's the power of predecision. Y'all think about it. God bless you this evening as pastor comes.
1: Good to see everybody tonight. Thank you as always uh, for being here and appreciate so very much your faithfulness and consistency to the house of the Lord, particularly on Wednesday night. And uh, I'm very, very honored, very thankful that all of you are here tonight. And uh, I trust that you've had a good week so far and uh, that you have been a recipient of the goodness of God. Uh, I have, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I let God know that just yesterday, that I was very thankful for all the amazing things he does in my life literally on a daily basis. I want to jump right into our presentation for tonight. And um, I say this sometimes, and sometimes I can stick with it, and sometimes I'm not successful in sticking with it. I don't plan to keep you a long time tonight. Um, I know the hour's early, and. Uh, Where I may not keep you that long, I'm coming tonight very concerned and very passionate about what I want to talk to you about tonight. My motive, my purpose is to challenge your thinking and what I'm trusting here tonight is that there is a whole host of Grace Church people that are watching this Via live stream is what I'm hoping for. Because as Sister Murph reminded me one time years ago when we were in Baker, uh, I taught real hard on a Wednesday night and she said, Well, you were teaching the, to the choir. And um, I'm going to do that here tonight again, very hopeful that uh, there's a large representation of Grace Church attendees and members and leaders that are watching this presentation, or maybe will consider watching it later. I want to call your attention tonight to Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. We may not be as familiar with this verse as we are others. But Paul said, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? He said you, he did not say that you are doing well or that you're running well. Everything's going well. He referred to wellness as a thing of the past. And then ask who? Not what, but who? Everybody say who. Who did hinder you? Who did hinder you? I want to talk to you for a little while tonight, and if I could title this anything, I would title it this, The Challenge of Moving Forward. So when we get accustomed to a routine, when we get accustomed to a circumstance, to when we get accustomed to maybe something tragic that has happened in our life or a challenging time that's happened in our life, it can cause us to adjust who we are and what we do and then we have a hard time breaking out of that that particular new routine. That's the essence of what I want to talk to you about tonight. Let me preface this thought with with this illustration. I've told you numerous times that one of my most inspiring Messages that I've ever heard anyone preach. No offense to anybody. No offense to any other preacher. But Sister Murphy and I were at Because of the Times years ago. Uh, we were struggling to just have a breakthrough in Baker when the church was there and just couldn't seem to get things going. And uh, we went to Because of the Times for some encouragement, and I'm glad I did because there was one preacher that preached one sermon that changed my life and I can just about guarantee you that since that time, and I don't remember the date that I heard this sermon, it's on YouTube. If you'd like to see it, you can get on YouTube and Google it and he'll pull it right up for you and you can watch it. It's when Brother Lonnie Treadway pastored in Beaumont for years preached a sermon entitled, You Picked a Fine Time to Leave Me, Lucille. And um, I had a cassette tape. I bought the cassette tape. That dates how old the sermon is. I bought a cassette tape of it, took it home, loaned it to somebody several years later, never got it back, went back to the little bookstore at POA. And I said, I don't know if y'all remember this or not, but Brother Treadway, and before I could finish... The man said, preached a sermon called, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille, and you'd like to have a copy of it. I said, well, you guessed right. And uh, he said, that is, we have sold more cassettes and CDs and DVDs of that sermon than we have any other as of that date. And I can assure you tonight that I have watched that sermon. I'm going to go very conservative here and tell you at least 30 times since I heard it preached it's probably more than that but I'm just going to be very conservative his point was of course he used the title of that old country western song Um, Kenny Rogers I believe sung it and if I ask you for a show of hands here tonight I doubt a half a dozen people here tonight has heard it I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt but if you have heard it, thank you for your honesty. You've never forgotten it. The first time I heard it, just the title, just that line, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille, caught my attention. And I virtually almost memorized that song and hearing it just one time. I didn't go by the single. I didn't call radio stations and ask them to play it over and over. I just heard it that one time. And of course. Brother Treadway, because of the times that year, announced that title and said it's from an old country and western song. And if it was an old song back then, it's sure an old song now. And uh, he said, I'm sure there's somebody here that knows part of it, or some of it. And sure enough, later on into his message, he said, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. And a man in the crowd said, with four hungry children... Well, there's a lot of people that's heard that. Yes, sir. We might sing that Sunday morning. I'm kidding. I'm only kidding. Since y'all all know it so well. Uh, but his point was that there's a lot of people back then that was quitting. And, of course, it's because of the times, as you know, is a minister's conference. And his focus was ministers, and he... His point was that there was a lot of ministers that was quitting. Just pulling their shingle down and going home and quitting. I read a number of years ago, probably seven, eight years ago, ten years ago, that at that time, about ten years ago, there was an average of about 1,300 Protestant ministers quitting every month. Well, we've come to learn that there's people that Quit the church, where ministers quit ministry and just walk away, just do something totally different, just change careers. I've had enough. don't want to fool with it. There's people that leave, leave the church, they have been in church for years. Something happens. They leave the church. They quit. Their feelings have been hurt. They've been mistreated. Something happened, and they've, they've never gone back. I can list scores of backsliders here in this area that have quit church. And they'll come for a Christmas service, an Easter service, maybe a grandchild being dedicated to the Lord, but that's about it. So with that thought of quitting, Brother Treadway said that people are diseased with the quits. And I agree with him. But with that thought in mind, I'm I'm not going in that particular direction tonight. I'll introduce you to the fact that there are so many different levels or arenas of quitting. Probably the first that comes to mind is that people quit their job. They'll quit their job for a better offer. They'll quit their job because they're mad at their boss or a co-worker. It's too far to drive. It's not fun anymore. They quit. The second thing that probably comes to mind when you talk about quitting is that people quit their marriage. I've come to learn that The couples that I've married through the years, every time they walk down the aisle, I think about the fact that they have a 50-50 chance of making it. Because about half of all of our marriages in this country end in divorce. I heard a comedian say, think about the things, all of you here tonight that are married, think about the things that end marriage. You can either divorce or you can die. You can divorce and live on a little while, or you can die and your marriage dies, and that's it. I was supposed to be kind of humorous, but apparently you didn't get the point. We say we will stay with you till death us do part. That's kind of a morbid statement. If I want out of my marriage, I just have to wait till I die. And at that point, what's the, never mind, we'll just move on with something else. Then more relevant to the church, as I just mentioned, people quit their relationship with God or they quit attending church for whatever reason. And then the next factor is people quit their responsibilities at church. We run into this often with Sunday school teachers. I I need to quit, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to say very kindly and respectfully, we don't have nearly as much issue with the people up here quitting. As we do people in classrooms that are never seen by church people. And I wonder if there's a connection. That it's easier to come up here when everybody can see you than it is to teach a room full of kids where nobody can see you. It's just a thought. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight. And again, it's a challenge of moving forward. It's what I want to talk to you about is... I I, I don't want this to be negative. I just want you to help me think about it. I think about it all the time. I can take you back to the first service I was ever a pastor. And this thought was prevalent in my head back then, and it still is. I want to talk to you about the level of, of, of quitting that really has me puzzled and concerned. And this is what's motivating me to talk to you about this tonight. As to what's happened since covid In church culture, I believe because the job market has moved to a work-from-home dynamic, church culture has moved to a have-church-at-home dynamic. I talked to a pastor not too long ago that said, I have turned live stream off at my church. I don't have it anymore. It's too easy for people to stay at home and just watch on live stream. And I know that we do have people at Grace Church that stay home on Wednesday night, and they told me they do. It's just easier to come in from work, grab a bite to eat, and sit down and watch Wednesday night Bible study on live stream. Where I appreciate that, I still believe tonight with all of my heart that it's better to be in church at church. So it's another dynamic of quitting. I'm going to quit coming and showing up on campus because it's more convenient. Is that fair? It's easier. It doesn't mean I have to change out of work clothes and get a shower and grab something to eat and rush out to church or whatever. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight because this group right here is here the vast majority of the time on Wednesday night. A lot of you work. We have others that are not able to be here this specific Wednesday night, but typically they are here. And I appreciate it. You are here. You don't know how much. I appreciate it. The point I wanted to make tonight before I move on about Wednesday night, and I may repeat this another time or two, is there's things that we talk about on Wednesday night that are hardly ever mentioned on Sunday morning. So you're missing half of Bible presentation that you're probably not getting anywhere else on any other level. I'm saying that to people that hopefully will watch this later. But it's not just Wednesday night Bible study. The thing that concerns me the most is that people have quit prayer, not coming to prayer meeting anymore. Our prayer schedule, typically we have now have a prayer room That is available for you to visit especially if you have a church key you can come anytime there's one here and there's one in the fellowship hall next door In each corner as you walk into the door right and left those little benches right there were designed for people to come and pray well now we have one in this building and then beyond that we have church-wide prayer it's one time a month for 45 minutes once a month For 45 minutes, and people can't make it. It's too busy, have other things to do. It's not prioritized enough. And then we have men's prayer once per month for about 45 minutes, and that's a real hard one for the gentleman to show up for. We have Tuesday morning prayers once a week. We try to do these various prayer meetings to give everybody an opportunity to come to prayer meeting at least once per month have Tuesday morning prayer virtually every week except for the Tuesday nights. we have prayer once a month. That lasts for about an hour. And where we have a propensity to stay home on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights because of live stream, prayer meeting is never live streamed. I only remember live streaming one prayer meeting at this church and it was when Dawson Bunch went to Memphis with his situation. So it's not live streamed. So I know you're not watching prayer Via live stream. But is that too much? There was a time when prayer meetings were wonderfully attended by Grace Church, attenders, attendees, and members and leadership. But now it's not so much, not like it used to be. My point is that we're not getting better in this area, we're declining in this area. And if we've declined over the past two to three years post-COVID, where will we be in another two or three years? Will prayer meeting even be a thing? Will Wednesday night even be a thing? I've also noticed that Sunday school is just too hard. It's another arm of our church where you, your family, your kids, etc., can hear the Bible on, at their age level. And so we are becoming... Culture is dictating somehow that coming to church is going to be a Sunday at 11 thing, and that's pretty much it for a lot of families. If that's how it's always been, then it would be easier to get my head wrapped around it, but, but that's not the way it's always been. When I was a kid, and a lot of you were much younger, you remember the revivals that went seven nights a week? When I was evangelist, I did one, a Wednesday through Sunday, and then that Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, through the following Sunday morning, Sunday night. We did seven days, or 10 days rather, and two services on Sunday. I remember as a kid when we got Monday night for a rest night, and these revivals would go four to six weeks. And the crowds were consistent every night, and people couldn't wait. So time marches on, and so it became, culturally unsound to have revivals like that so we did Wednesday through Friday and then Sunday and then we cut out Sunday night and then a lot of churches would do their revivals Sunday morning Sunday night Monday and Tuesday sometimes Wednesday and then that doesn't work anymore we now pay evangelists for one Sunday morning service what we would pay an evangelist for an entire week We're getting, we're doing less, but our lives, our heart, our homes, our families, our kids require more, but we just don't have the wherewithal to produce it. We've reached a quitting point. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. This is the focus of my presentation A quitting point is when we reach a certain level of physical, emotional, or mental pain. When we reach a certain level of physical, emotional, or mental pain, we reach a quitting point, and our system begins to shut down. Did that happen to us during COVID? Remember, we had to quit. Do I need to remind anybody of COVID? Especially the way church was held back then? Do I need to remind anybody of what it was like during COVID? I remember here being on, on Sunday morning service with about 10, 11 people and preaching to empty chairs every Sunday for, what was it, two or three months, whatever we did. So the thought process is if we ever get through this nonsense, what nonsense, but a lot of the restrictions I thought were a little bit over the top. That's just my opinion. But once we get through all of this, man, the folks are going to be so excited, they're just not going to be able to hardly wait to get back in church. And that hasn't happened. It hasn't happened virtually anywhere in our country. Instead of people wanting to be back in church, because now we can, it's just we just learned, much like our job, we can stay at home and work, so now we can just stay at home and have church. Were, did we reach a certain level of physical, emotional, or mental pain during COVID and we reached a quitting point and our system shut down? If that's the case, the big question every pastor in this country is asking of all denominations is how in the world do we get it back? How do we get past that quitting point? When you describe a quitting point or define a quitting point as a certain level of physical, emotional, or mental pain, what causes it? Well, generally speaking, it can be caused by a number of things, but here's just a few. is Number one is a low tolerance for problems or pain. And I believe the church was ill-equipped for covid believe we were equipped for that our our thinking wasn't equipped for that our our logic wasn't equipped and certainly our faith wasn't equipped for it and we had a we we discovered that the church had a very low tolerance for problems or pain most everybody's had COVID and a lot of people have lost family members to COVID and we are so sorry about both some people have had COVID two or three times since then So perhaps that's what's happened to the church in our mindset. We reached a quitting point back then, and we just haven't really got back in our mind, in our faith, in our logic, and so on, where we should be. The second thing that can cause a quitting point is a result of past habits. And I believe we quickly learn, especially during that time of COVID, and established a habit. And it was so amazing to me is how quickly it formed and how wonderful it was to stay home and just watch service on live stream. I'm thankful we had live stream and I'm thankful we have it now because it served its purpose. And I believe it kept a lot of people's relationship with God alive. But people adjusted to a habit, to a routine, and it's hard for them to bounce back from it. The third thing that can cause a quitting point is it may simply be our predetermined expectations of how things should be. So we accepted an expectation level during COVID and um, somehow we maintained during then and we made it during that time and we're still living for God and our our, our level of expectation just plummeted. These are some reasons that cause quitting points. There, are there any of these reasons that have caused some to quit? Is there other reasons that have caused some to quit? To change their lifestyle, to change their perspective, to change their attitude. Is it the job? Has the job changed so much that it just doesn't agree with our psyche anymore to show up for things at church outside of Sunday the Sunday morning service. I do know that COVID caused extreme challenging situations to home life, marriages, a lot of marriages terminated during COVID. Kids were hard to manage. The fatigue, the tiredness was overwhelming. The mental, the emotional fatigue was overwhelming. And when all of these things happen, you just reach a point where I just don't want to anymore if this has happened to the church why can't the church overcome it why can't we get back to doing what i'm gonna go ahead and make a little disclaimer here I'm, I'm gonna get the elephant out of the room people may say well if wednesday night and prayer meeting was far more exciting then you know it would be easier to to show up I, i've never intended to make wednesday night service exciting <coughs> I have been to eat places before that I haven't been that excited about eating at. But I went because I was hungry. And for people who say, well, I'm just not being fed, then I heard a pastor say one time, if you're not being fed, then you must be an invalid. Because I'm confident that what I present on Wednesday nights is is healthy Bible teaching. And um, if you're not getting any of that, then you don't have the ability to take your hand and grab some of it and put it in your mouth using the physical illustration. So apparently, you're completely incapacitated. You can't achieve that. I'll get that elephant out of the room. Uh, I believe there needs to be, at some point in Christianity, there has to be, we can do exciting things and we try to do exciting things. We do it on Sunday morning. We, we, we tried a number of things um we do giveaways at the end of the service oftentimes on sunday morning we have some coming up in a couple of weeks and and that kind of thing and we're going to be launching something here pretty soon that i hope is pretty exciting and um so we do that but 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 wednesday night is a discipline prayer is a discipline it's a basic christian discipline i saw something here a while back that has really puzzled me it was it made media prominence some time back about a five-year-old child that went to school one day and decided he didn't want to be there anymore, and he left. And uh, of course, the school staff and whatnot couldn't find him. He was missing. They called the police. The police department tracked him real quickly. Uh, walking down the sidewalk, the policeman asked him to stop, and he didn't. He's five years old, just kept going. The policeman literally had to just run up to him and, and just grab him on the arm and, and and what are you doing and he pitched a fit He just started crying and screaming and moaning and carrying on and so they put him in the back of a police cruiser they didn't handcuff him none of that he was five years old and but they put him in the cruiser and took him back to the school and the school couldn't do a thing with him he just kept screaming finally they got a hold of his mother's his mother came and said this I'm not allowed to discipline my child there was somebody on staff here that said if I disciplined my child again they'd call Uh, children protection services and have my child taken away so we reward him for good behavior and quote we have taken him to Disney World for good Disneyland for good uh, behavior we've taken him to the Bahamas for good behavior and so now this child thinks that the only thing that's required in my life if people want me to behave well is to make me a promise of something huge and amazing, and then I'll consider behaving or not. He's five years old. It was a big deal. I don't believe there, there has to be this constant pull a rabbit out of the hat for good, solid, God-loving Christian people. I think we ought to come to church sometimes because we understand the discipline of it. So... Have we been deceived somehow in our society into thinking that coming on Sunday is good enough and that prayer and Bible study is no longer really an important thing? It's not a priority. Here's what we must understand. You're on board with me tonight. I feel that. So here's what we need to understand is, oh, slew If you don't know who that is, it's the devil. He has a strategy. The devil has a strategy. Did you know that the devil knows our weak areas? How many believes tonight by a show of hands that the devil is defeated? Those of you that don't know we'll teach a Bible study on that here a while back or, or here in the near future. Um, the Bible teaches very clearly that he is a defeated foe. I'm not going to ask you since that didn't turn out too good. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand again, but does anybody here believe that he's defeated, but he's not stupid? <clears throat> the devil always attacks us. Listen to Pastor tonight. Please listen. Refrain from chatting with your neighbor here for a minute. He always attacks us at our quitting points, he knows our weaknesses. And if he can cause something, do something, manipulate something in our life that will kind of blindside us and cause us to quit, do you think he'll follow through with that? Of course he will because he is not stupid. So he doesn't mind if we continue to go to church as long as we have quit trying to be effective or purposeful in our church attendance. So here's the big question. If there was a time when you attended prayer meetings, fairly regular, not all the time, fairly regular. If you used to attend Wednesday night Bible study, fairly regular. When did you quit? And why? I can go up this side, down this side, up that one, down this one. And see all kinds of empty seats of people that used to be here virtually every Wednesday night. And they're not anymore. And so my question is, being that you have apparently quit, why? Do you think it's helping you? Do you think it's beneficial? Do you think it's profitable? Let me ask you this. If the devil can find your weak point and cause you to quit a Wednesday night, if he can cause you to quit a prayer meeting, then could something happen to cause you to quit Sunday morning? Because kind of one thing leads to another. And if it took something pretty simple to impact you on Wednesday night prayer meetings, he might have to step it up a little bit for Sunday morning, but don't you think he'll try Talking about the challenge of moving forward. People have gotten stuck in a place, and I'm going to blame it on COVID. I don't have anything else really to blame it on off the top of my head, even though there may be plenty of other things. I'm just going to use that one. Are we going to use that from now on as an excuse? Are we going to teach that to our kids? Look, COVID happened in 2020, whatever yeah, 2020, whatever year it was. I try not to remember So for the next, how many years will that be the reasoning for staying home on Wednesday nights and prayer meetings and so on? I'm not just picking out Wednesday night and prayer meetings, but it's, it's the default other than a Sunday. I think you understand. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. So if the devil can talk you out of coming to prayer meeting on some frequency, you say, well, it's not the devil. It's my job. It's not the devil. It's... My kids, it's not the devil. Don't you think he might have something to do with that? I do agree that we shouldn't blame the devil for things he didn't do, but I can't find much that he's not doing. And if it's not the devil, it's carnality. So you can pick whichever one you want. But if the devil can cause that, and then it starts impacting Sunday, and you say, well, that'll never happen to me. I can name scores of people that said that, that it's happened to. And now they don't come on sunday and i'm sure the excuse is legitimate jesus went through this with somebody when he he told the parable of preparing a big marriage feast it was a big deal and and the husbandman wanted everybody there but one guy said i've just bought a new piece of property and i need to go see about it another one said well i just married a wife and i need to go take her take care of her and another one said well i bought a yoke of oxen and i need to go try them out somewhere all of that has to be done at the exact same time it can't wait you can't do it before and you sure can't wait till afterwards because the whole thing the marriage would just completely fall apart if you don't get to it right now i think all of that all of us would believe tonight that that is absurd well let me ask you this question And I'm coming to you from a premise that's already been proven here at Grace Church. If the devil can knock you out on a Wednesday night in a prayer meeting, then he can arrange to have you knocked out on Sunday. Is it possible that he could come up with something that would cause you to bail out on your commitment to God altogether? If that's the case, could he cause something to cause you to bail out on your marriage? Is it possible to him to cause something that would cause uh, cause you to bail out on parenting? What is the threshold of your quitting point? Where is it? What is it? The Bible said, Paul said, who did hinder you? Not what, but who? The devil. Okay, he's behind all this stuff. If you took the devil completely out of the picture, we'd live in a pretty wonderful world. So what would it take for you to bail out? It it, 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 it keeps snowballing. So what is the threshold of your quitting point? What would someone have to say or do that would cause you to quit? On some level, some part of your relationship with God, what would someone have to do or say that would cause you to cease doing in the kingdom things that you are doing right now? say, that'll never happen to me. It has. It's happened to scores of people. What circumstance would have to take place in your life to cause you to want to quit? The devil is continually trying to figure out these things and is continually trying to make these things happen. I don't want to sound like a martyr, neither do I want to sound like a saint, but I can tell you, and I've mentioned it before, that last year was probably one of the most challenging years I've ever lived in my life personally. And there was a thousand quitting points that was introduced to me, and I battled through every one of them emotionally, mentally, and physically. The devil assaulted my life personally from every angle you could imagine. But I have threat, I have set the threshold so high for me to quit. I'm not gonna quit my relationship with God. I'm not gonna quit being married and I'm not gonna quit pastoring this church. As long as I can, pastor's gonna be here. I have set the threshold. You say, well, preachers don't get offended. No. You don't think? There's a host of people sitting in front of me right now that have hurt my feelings at some point or another. You just never knew it because I showed up at the next service and preached like nothing was going on. I've set the threshold. I've set the bar so high. So I want to give you several questions tonight as i bring this to a conclusion first of all if you want to set the bar high in your life and and not quit as a matter of fact it might be good for you to go home and have a conversation with your family you know what pastor's right we've quit some of this stuff and we need to start back that's what i'm after tonight that's my goal we're having prayer meeting next tuesday night here church-wide prayers 7 30 be a good place to start with and then come back wednesday night for bible study but there's three questions i want to ask you tonight first of all is what i must know you have to make a decision to change you made a decision to change as a result of things that happened during COVID and whatever else is going on in your life now you have to make a decision to change back you have to increase your capacity to deal with problems and disappointments listen to pastor tonight everybody listen I teach things and I say things and people go out and do dumb stuff and they come back and want me to bail them out if you listen right now I'm saving you some trouble down the line increase your capacity to deal with problems and disappointments you need to get your skin a little bit thicker keep your heart tender but get your skin a little bit thicker to be able to tolerate people's faults and failures. Nobody's perfect here tonight. Don't quit because somebody offended you. Don't quit because you got your feelings hurt. Don't quit because things aren't going in your life like they should. Make a decision to change from that attitude. Set the bar high. Increase your capacity to deal with problems and disappointments. Number two, strive, strive for maturity and understanding. Learn how to zoom out and see the big picture. If I cut my hand and put it like this, all I'm going to see is my cut and think my whole entire body's falling apart. But if I zoom out, I'll see the cut, but I'll realize that the rest of my body at age 65 is in pretty decent shape. A little too heavy, but pretty good shape. Strive for maturity and understanding. The deeper our maturity and understanding is, the easier it will be for us to develop an attitude of excellence. If you understand and if you are mature, and if you've never been tried with a problem you're very shallow and you're very immature the most solid hardcore set for Jesus people are those who have been buffeted the most by everything you can imagine they're like a tree planted by the water it's doing away with the I'm going to take my toys and go home attitude maturity and understanding is knowing everybody say knowing Maturity and understanding is knowing. You know there's a couple here tonight that could give all of us a Bible study on that. And they're sitting towards the back and it's Mike and Sheila Landry. Do you know where their only child is tonight? When you talk to them here at church, it very rarely ever even bleeds through. You know Why? Because they're mature people, and they understand. They've learned how to Zoom out. You want another one? Sitting right over here. It's been through some stuff, and there's people here tonight that's been through some stuff. And there's people here tonight that are not functioning at your capacity over something far less than what's happened to the people that's here tonight. Maturity and understanding is knowing that everything in life is not going to go my way. When your last name is Murphy, that's compounded exponentially. Sister Murphy and I stopped last night to get some ice cream right after dinner. We never do that, and that's the first time we've ever done it at this place, and the rest is none of your business anyway. there was about eight people in line ahead of us and when glenn murphy gets to the window to order they say i'll be with you in just a minute and they go fulfill all of those eight orders and make me stand there and wait and then sister murphy and i went to lunch today and the exact same thing happened i stood at the counter she will tell you i stood there for 15 to 20 minutes before the lady kept saying i'll be with you in just a second that second turned into about 20 minutes And I sat there and waited. Plus, we had to wait another 15, 20 minutes for the food. I almost left. But then you realize by the time you get in your car and go somewhere else and go through all that again, you might as well just stay where you're at. And it was pretty good after I got it. Kind of worth staying. But everything in life doesn't go my way. Strive to be patient and be willing to endure. Remember, we walk by faith and not by our sight. Or circumstances. I promised you I wouldn't be long and I'm being long. You all said, preach it, keep on going, and I'm going too. Hebrews ten thirty-six says, For you have need of patience. You have need of patience. Patience here is cheerful or hopeful endurance. That after you have done the will of God. After you have done the will of God, I've done the will of God and all this stuff has happened. I've been in the will of God. Why? When I'm in the will of God, all this horrible stuff happens to me. After you've done the will of God, he said, you might maybe receive the promise. Maturity, understanding, patience, endurance, it doesn't come cheap. There's a price to pay, yet without these qualities, you'll never be able to handle the blessings and successes that God wants to bring into your life when you're tried you come forth as pure gold so this is what you must know here's what you must see we receive most of our information about our life world relationships and even god through our eyes how we view these things around us affects our thoughts our perceptions and our thoughts and our perception affects our soul it affects our attitude jesus said the light of the body is the eye If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. What must be in my heart? It makes a heart healthy. What makes a heart healthy is what we feed it. The Bible calls this, calls this concept, this principle, treasure building. Let not, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and rust doth corrupt, Jesus said, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up yourself treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, There will your heart be also. Proverbs, the wise man said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So the answer to these questions is simply this. You define things the way God does. So here's my conclusion. Between each circumstance and your attitude concerning that circumstance lays your perception of whatever event and circumstances happen in your life. When we choose to break through quitting points, we actually begin to disarm the devil. We do. And it's fulfilling to do that. It's wonderful to know that he tried to tempt you to trap you and so on, but you didn't do it. It makes you feel wanna go, ha ha ha, got you, buddy. When we break through something that has stopped us in the past, we gain maturity, understanding, patience, and endurance to be able to do battle with it again and be victorious again instead of failing. Every time we break through a quitting point, it is a disarming of our enemy. We need to remember him totally at a loss for what he needs to do to us to make us quit. I'd like for the devil to look at everybody that's a part of Grace Church and say, I don't know what to do to make these people quit. They just won't quit. So here it is, and, and I'm done now. Here it is in a nutshell. Our behavior, everybody say our behavior. Our behavior can cause us to mess up our lives Outside the church. But our attitude can cause us to mess up our lives inside the church. Both can be devastating. Too many of us suffer from the malady of an attitude trained by our circumstance. Rather than trained by the spirit and by the word of God. I didn't mean to keep you this long. But I'm not sorry. I hope all of you have gleaned. If you're watching live stream, if you watch live stream in the future and watch this. Folks, we got to move forward and we've got to get back. Our church is on such a great path right now. I'm going to show you something Sunday that's going to be amazing, wonderful, Lord willing. We're going to show it to you and make a wonderful announcement here this coming Sunday. That ought to bring some of you live streamers out to campus Sunday. Because it ain't going to be nearly as much fun on live stream, I can tell you that. But we have some wonderful things coming down the pike, and I believe God is blessing this church mightily. And I want to see it grow, and I want to keep up with the will and purpose of God for this church. Don't you? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Everybody say, God help me. God help us. us. Everybody say, "Hashtag hashtag we're coming. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed, and we'll see you Sunday morning in Jesus' name.